chapter 1. And I, I love, I love what this, what this verse says. It tells us this, 2 Peter 1, starting in verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need. Let me say that again. His divine power has given us everything we need. Has given us everything we need. Say that with me. Has given us everything we need. Come on, let's do it again. Has given us everything we need. One more time. Has given us everything we need. God, we come before you today and we thank you that we have this promise in your word. That your divine power has given us everything that we need. Everything that we need for every challenge and every opportunity of life. God, help us to fully understand that, embrace it, and live in it today. Thank you for your word. Let it be a lamp to our feet, a light unto our path. God, help us to hide your word in our heart that we might not sin against you. We commit all these things to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love the fact that 2 Peter 1 says this. His divine power has given us. Notice it doesn't say his divine power gives. Notice it doesn't say his divine power will give. It says his divine power has given us. So what that means is this. It means I don't have to do something special to receive that divine power. I don't have to convince God to give me that divine power. I don't have to walk a certain way to, to receive that divine power. He's already given it to us. Now, understanding that it will have some influence in the way that I live my life, in the way that I walk, in the way that I talk, in the relationships that I develop, in the activities that I participate in, in my activities and in my attitudes. It will influence who I am. Not unlike, I mentioned earlier that on the 27th of July, that Jody and I will, will, we will celebrate 33 years of being married. And can I offer you this? In 33 years of marriage, I have done a lot for my wife. I mean a lot. In fact, in the last year, I have done a lot for my wife. In the last week, I have done the list of things that I do for my wife is incredibly long. Now, I know some of you are sitting here thinking, oh, pastor, I feel sorry for you because your wife is so high maintenance. No, she's not. <laughs> the list of things that she does for me, I guarantee you, are much longer than the list of things that I do for her. But I do these things not to earn her love. I, I, don't, I don't do things for Jody to earn her love. I do those things because of the love that I have for her and it's a, it's a natural response for the love that she demonstrates so faithfully to me. My hope is this. My hope is that for every person who's here this, this morning that is married, for every person that's watching via social media this morning that is married, that you don't feel like you have to execute in a certain way to earn your spouse's love. But my hope is also this, is that you engage in acts of kindness, that, that, you, that you embrace opportunities to serve as a reflection of that love. That's not unlike this wonderful dynamic that we have with God. 
Now we know there are scriptures such as Ephesians 2.10, which says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. We know that there are scriptures that say that we are supposed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And it's very easy then to get caught up in this misconception that somehow I can earn favor with God or somehow I can earn connection with God or somehow I can earn relationship with God. And what happens is we invest our time in trying to please God and we invest our time in activity rather than walking in the freedom that God wants us to walk in. Living in the liberty that he wants us to exist in. Experiencing the power that he wants to endow us with. And, and Peter makes this wonderful declaration in 2 Peter 1 when he says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. How has that happened? Well, it's happened through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Friends, I'm convinced that's powerful. His divine power has given us everything we need. And having an understanding of this, an understanding of, of the promises, David said this in the 119th Psalm. He said this, your promises have been thoroughly tested and your servant loves them. I regularly make this statement that there are over 7,000 promises in the Word of God. And he keeps every one of them. See, his divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And that's what empowers us. What empowers us is this connection with his glory and his goodness. His glory and his goodness. His glory and his goodness. But what fascinates me about this passage of Scripture is this idea of the divine nature. His divine power has given us everything that we need to participate in the divine nature. So, let's do this. We're going to break down the Scripture this morning. Okay? We're going to do a little, little, little Bible study here on Sunday morning. He's his, his given his us the opportunity to participate in. Now here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that oftentimes we don't live this scripture. What we do is we live a shift. Okay? And here's what we do. Rather than participating in the divine nature, we live our life trying to conform to the divine nature. So if I, can, if I can maybe get rid of this bad habit in my life, if, if I can maybe adjust some of my relationships, if, if, I, can, if I can try to control my tongue, if, 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 I can, if I can get the activity lined up in my life right, if, if I can show up at church enough times, if, if I can put enough money in the offering plate, 
If I can so arrange the activities of my life and the resources of my world in such a way that somehow I might be able to connect to God, I might be able to conform to the life that he has for me. And what we have then is we have an attempted, to, a, a, attempted connection to God through works. Because what we try to do is we try to conform to his plan. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Well, not so much a secret. And that is this, is that doing Christianity is really hard. Okay? Do you know why it's really hard? Let me tell you why. You might want to write this down. Are you ready? Sin is fun. I don't know if you've noticed that. Okay? Sin is fun. I mean, think about it. Think about even like, let's just talk about food for a minute. Okay? Why is it that everything that tastes good is bad for you? I don't get that. Right? My wife told me the other day that sugar is more addictive than cocaine. I didn't need to hear that information. I now feel like I need to get involved in a 12-step program. Right? Everything, the minute you find something that tastes good, it's like, no, that's bad for you. Right? Then they come up with these substitutes, and you go, okay, at least I can have the substitute. No, that causes cancer. Right? And so the reality is this, is there are these things that, that draw us, and there are these voices that call us. This is the reason why Paul says in Romans, he says, the things that I don't want to do, I do, and the things I want to do, I don't do. I am a huge bundle of sin. Who can rescue me from this? He says, by myself, I am powerless. Which is an amazing contrast to his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. His divine power. And what has it done? It has given us. We didn't earn. We don't attain. His divine power has given us everything that we need. Everything that we need for a godly life. And it happens through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. So when we understand God's glory and goodness, when we understand Jesus' glory and goodness, okay, here is Jesus' glory. Jesus' glory is this, is that being in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, right? That's what Philippians says. But he humbled himself and took on the role of a servant and took on this role, even the death, death on the cross. But here's what we know. We know this, that the cross couldn't, hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. And so he conquered death, hell, and the grave. On the third day, he arose. And that is the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is this, that he is the conquering almighty God. That nothing is impossible. See, his divine power that issue divine means this. It means he is omnipotent, all-powerful. He is omniscient, all-knowing. He is omnipresent everywhere, all the time. So he has this 
divine aspect to him or a divine nature and that divine nature is made available to us because of what he has done because of his glory that he conquered death hell and the grave and because of his goodness for God so loved and those are undeniable and they're unmutable And through these, he has given us these very great and precious promises so that through them, we may participate in the divine nature. So what does it mean for you and I to participate in the divine nature? Here's what it means. It means that the resources of God, that the freedom of God, that the provision of God, that the protection of God, that the power of God is made available to us. What does that look like? Well, here's what it looks like. The life of God is best described when we look at the listing that we have in Galatians of the fruit of the Spirit. Right? The product of living life in the Spirit is that that fruit of the Spirit. And so we can walk in that. We can live in that. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Let me just say this as a, as a little side note. The best diet on the planet is the Holy Ghost. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And then this power, right? And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And God wants us to walk in this power, in this anointing or tangible sense of his presence. His divine power has given us everything that we need to participate in the divine nature. Now, it it would... It would, then, it would then make sense to ask the question, why is it that we don't see evidence on an ongoing basis of the divine nature in our life individually or in the life of the church corporately? Let me, let me do this. Let me go from preaching to meddling for a moment. There are people that from time to time they'll say, Pastor, why don't we see more signs and wonders in our church? Are you ready? This is another one you might want to write down. Because you are not positioning yourself to allow God to do signs and wonders through you. Right? It, it's, it's, the, it's the equivalent of the person that comes into church and says, this is the most unfriendly place I've, I, I've been in in my life. Not a single person came up to me and shook my hand and said hello to me. Right? He who, he who wants friends needs to himself be what? Friendly. Okay? Do, do you want me to tell you how you, can, how you can have 100 people in this church shake your hand? Okay? And say good morning to you? I want you to watch, watch this. You're going to appreciate this. Watch this. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I want you to notice each one of them shook my hand and said good morning. None of them slapped me. Okay? None of them turned their back to me. Isn't that an amazing thing? That is a very friendly row right there. Okay? It's that simple. 
Friends, let me tell you something. Tapping into the power of God is just as simple because his divine power has given you everything that you need to participate in the divine nature. What is the divine nature? The divine nature is walking in God's presence, walking in God's purpose, walking in God's peace, walking in God's provision, walking in God's power. But here's the mistake that we make. Instead of participating in the divine nature, we try to conform to it. And so we try, to, we try to somehow, through our own effort, through our own activity, here's what we say. You know what? If I don't smoke, don't dance, don't drink, don't chew, don't hang around with those that do, then I'm in. And this, this Christianity thing gets real hard. And we get tired. And then the people around us who claim to be a Christians, bunch of hypocrites, right? Then they let us down and we become frustrated and maybe even bitter. Let me tell you something. Look around you. All around you, there are people who have been burned by church people. There are people all around you that have been burned by pastors. Okay? Now, let me, let, let me help you out a little bit. If you're here this morning or if you're watching via social media and you've been burned by the pastor, understand this. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't her fault. They just got sucked into a satanic lie and instead of participating in the divine nature, they were trying to conform to the divine nature and it's hard work. And here's what happens. When you try to do it on your own, what you're going to find is this, is you start using the things around you, including the people around you, instead of seeing it as God sees it. But there's something that happens when we can embrace what Peter writes. Peter writes this. It's close to the end of his earthly existence. It's his last letter before he's going to go home to glory. He knows it. He refers to it later in the letter. He says, listen, I'm about to leave. In fact, it's even later in this, in this chapter. He says, I'm about to leave. He goes, I'm, I'm telling you this stuff, and I'm telling you stuff you already know. I'm reminding you of this because I want you to know it. I want you to be so powerfully in you that when I'm gone that you'll still remember it. Now, there should be a response on our part to this fact that God has empowered us by his glory and his goodness. And that he, that he wonderfully positions us to participate in the divine nature. Signs and wonders will follow them that conform. Signs and wonders will follow those who attain a certain level of spirituality? Here's what my Bible says. By the way, your Bible says the same thing. Signs and wonders will follow those who believe. That's it. Signs and wonders will follow those that believe. What is it that we have to believe? We have to believe this, that his divine nature has given us everything that we need. His divine power it, it reveals to us these amazing promises. And through these promises, we come to know his glory and his goodness. And what they do is they position us for the, 
for, for the divine while keeping us from the destruction. That, that's what it tells us there. It says, listen, that through these he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I find that when I try to do it on my own, it's real easy for me to get sucked into the distortions. Here's what happens. And here's the way, if you're somebody that you've grown up in, 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 ch in the church subculture, okay, here's what corruption looks like. I start worshiping worship instead of worshiping Jesus. I start, I start comparing the expression of spiritual gifts in my life to, to those around me. I, I, get, I get caught up in, in criticism and judgmentalism. So corruption for people that grow up in the church, it looks different than those who grow up outside of the church. So corruption in, my, corruption in my house growing up, corruption in my house growing up looked like this. It looked like massive drug culture. It looked like siblings that were on a daily basis involved in illegal activity. It looked like almost all of my siblings having children before the age 18, having children out of wedlock. That, that's what corruption looked like there. Now, now let, me, let, me, let, me, let me help you a little bit. That the corruption outside of the church isn't any worse than the corruption inside the church. Come on now. See, the enemy is going to use whatever corruption he can to thwart the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. And he's going to come at those of you that consider yourself to be saints different than he's going to come after those of you that are here as seekers. And he's going to come after those of you that are seekers different than he's going to come after those of you that are here that are skeptics. But what he's going to do is he's going to use this, this distortion and this corruption that is a reflection of your human unhealthy desire. And so what happens is this, is God's divine power has taken care of everything necessary to where we can walk in the divine nature, to where we can live in the divine nature, to where we can be participants, are partakers of the divine nature and not get caught up in these and these distortions. So, for this very reason, here's what it goes on to say in 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. 
For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and improductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Now the danger is, is that we can focus on that list instead of focusing on the fact that that list is a response to what God has already done, his divine power giving us everything that we need to live in the divine nature. That's the reason why it starts with this. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. That's where it starts. I shared with you earlier that as a, that a, little, as a little boy, church was my escape. And it, it, it was, it, it was, it was my escape. Man, I, I loved, I loved when that church bus pulled out up in front. In fact, here's what I asked them to do. I asked them if they would stop at my house first and drop me off last. I, I wanted to be around church people and in church as long as possible. It was, uh, it's probably a little more than a mile from, from our house to our pastor's house. I don't know why the pastor didn't come pick me up. That's, that's a whole other issue, right? Um, and, and I think it's kind of crazy that my mother would let an eight-year-old kid walk a mile uh, to walk to the pastor's house to, to go to church. But that was just that, honestly, that was just the way that it was. There was a season in my life from, from about mm, middle of fourth grade to the first day of school, my junior year in high school, where I was very far from God. I, I, I man, I, I, I drifted and I drifted horribly off course spiritually. When, when I came back to faith, my junior year in high school, I went back to church. And, and here's what I found. I, I, I wanted to be in church as much as possible. So much so that, that a church van that would, that, would, that would pick us up on Sunday morning. That church didn't have a bus, but we did have a van. And uh, so th they had a van that would come pick us up. And uh, it took, took me a while to get a car. But at, at the beginning, I, I would ride in this church van, this blue church van. And, and then um, I would ask them if I, could, if I could just stay at the church until the Sunday night service. Again, I don't know why nobody from church would ask me out to lunch, take me to their house, but they didn't. And I'm not here to judge. But... Um, but man, you people can be mean sometimes. Anyway, um, but 
But church, once again, it was an escape for me. And I felt good while I was there. It's not unlike our neighbors to the south. Walt Disney World. Walt Disney World says this. Okay, their sign. Walt Disney World. The happiest place on earth. It doesn't say that it'll make you happy. Right? It just says that while you're here, you'll be happy. And I think as a little kid, and then again as a high schooler, that church was like Disney World for me. It was a place of escape. And it was a place that while I was there, I was happy. And it gave me pause before I had to go out and face the reality of the real world. And and, and in my naive little child mind and in my in my uninformed adolescent mind, I thought that's what the church did. Now, I thought that partially because I I didn't have wisdom. I, I also thought that partially because on some level, it's what the church modeled to me. Here's what I know. I know that there are people here today that this is an escape for you. I get it. I've lived it. But that's not God's design for the church. See, His divine power has given you everything that you need to live the divine nature. And what God wants you to do is he wants you to walk in his promises and to experience all that he has for you and and, and not allow yourself to be consumed and misdirected by the corruption that we find in our world. That's the reason why church has to go beyond Sunday morning. I'm not saying we should do a Sunday night service, although next Sunday we are going to do a Sunday night service. I'm saying that this, it has to go beyond what we do to being the core of who we are. I, I didn't, I didn't get this Truthfully, I didn't get this until a few years, a few years into pastoral ministry. When I when I came to the realization that I was more of I, I was as much of a problem as I was of a solution. Because I was reinforcing this idea that if you act the right way, if you dress the right way, if you walk the right way, if you talk the right way. If you had the right look, 
if you could speak Christianese fluently. That was it. See, I, I, was, I was one of those guys that would look at those of you that are facing life struggles and, and look at you as one of those people. You ever had that? You ever been around Christian people? You're in the midst of the struggle and you're around Christian people and you get, just get the feeling they're looking at you like, that person needs prayer. Because my, my, my thought was that we had to conform to this, to this pattern. Not understanding that, that his divine power had given us everything that we need to be participants in the divine nature. See, I remember thinking that that people who spoke in tongues, that somehow they were more spiritual. I remember thinking that, that folks that laid hands on folks and they, they prayed for people, that, that they possessed a power that I could never have. I remember hearing people talk about this issue of God doing this cool thing after that cool thing after that cool thing in their life and going wow they they must have a much better connection with God than me I remember thinking that I was really far behind I didn't grow up in church I came in and came out, but I came in as a church kid. Didn't see Christianity modeled in my home. I did when I graduated from high school. I did go to Bible college, but I only went one year. So I remember thinking that somehow I was behind. Here's what God's Word says. Skeptic, seeker, saint. By the way, you like that? All S. Skeptic, seeker, saint. All of you, sinner. Here's what God's Word says. His divine power has given you everything that you need to be an active participant in the divine nature. And, and here's, here's, here's what I love. Let me see my Bible. Here's what I love. It, it, kind, of the, kind of the end of, of, this, this, portion of this, this portion of Scripture, it, it says this. By the way, I'm really nervous. I love this Bible. It's starting to... I, I don't know what I'm going to do. It, 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 I, I just, I got it. I treat it very gently because it, this is precious to me. Jody gave me this Bible in 1989, by the way. Uh, so it says this. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fail. Another translation says it this way. You will never stumble. 
For if you do these things, you will never fail, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that's how I want to live. I want to I live a life where, I, where I'm not having to constantly deal with failure and walk with a confidence in knowing that I will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. Can I offer this to you? I think that some of us here, I think that we try way too hard to conform to the rules in this book. And we miss the boat entirely on embracing and participating in the amazing divine that Jesus has already given us. I believe that he wants you to walk in freedom today. And I believe that he wants there to be a massive shift in the way that you view church. That this is not an escape from the challenges and the evils of the world. But instead, what this is is it's a place where we come in and fill up our tanks to go out and be a force for God. I'm convinced of that. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.